AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Grandling. And I'm Connor Orr. And Connor, we have some defensive linemen to talk about in the upcoming NFL draft. But before we get to that, we're talking about one of our favorites, Derek Carr and his new contract, which, you know, the early headlines were uh, very player positive, you know, 40 million plus a year, et cetera, et cetera. It's probably not quite that. And it's actually it's it's a pretty fascinating situation that uh, he finds himself in now. Yeah, I mean. You know, on one hand, I think it allows Derek Carr to puff his chest um, and assert himself as a kind of, hey, I'm the guy for right now that he hasn't been able to uh, basically ever. I mean, you know, he was he was a franchise quarterback when Reggie McKenzie and Jack Del Rio were there, but then he broke his leg on Christmas Eve 2016. Um, you know, doesn't play as well after that. Then John Gruden comes in, and when John Gruden's your coach, um, every year is year-to-year proposition with a quarterback. And so I think now it's a reward for 
Um, I think he gets a reward for being the adult in the room last year for playing the best football of his career. And now he just he gets to assert himself as a franchise player for at least one year. Right. So he has a no trade clause and he stays out of the fray um, for at least the summer um, and and doesn't really kind of find himself in, in the thick of this whole like quarterback movement fiasco. Yeah, so it's a bit of a year-to-year deal here. The no-trade clause is really interesting. Uh, I'm not sure where I land on that. I guess, theoretically, if the Raiders, you know, let's say the Raiders just bottom out. They have a terrible year. That's obviously a really strong division. Let's say they go like 5-12 and 12 or something like that, and they decide, uh, we're going to go look at these draft quarterbacks here, and we're going to hit the reset button and do a little mini rebuild, et cetera, et cetera. They don't want to release Derek Carr and you want to get something for him uh he's a he's a good player uh you would assume he'd still be uh, a, a, a desired asset for someone at that point so I guess having the no trade clause gives Derek Carr some level of control over this going forward should it should it go in that direction right I mean they're, they're not going to be able to send him to the Texans basically right and mm-hmm. like you know if I if I had a Patriots person in my uh, that was my coach or my GM, I would absolutely demand that protection because it's like, yeah, I know you know Nick Casario, and I know you guys are going to talk. Do not send me down there. Uh, so I, I will have a no trade clause, and the only team on it will be the Houston Texans. So please don't send me to the Houston Texans. Maybe where else would you not want to go? Um, definitely not the Panthers. Uh, don't send me to the Panthers. Uh, there's a couple places I probably wouldn't want. Don't send me to the Commanders. Wouldn't want to go to the Commanders. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, you're basically just protecting yourself against those three teams, <laughs> which is good. I think that 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 is a massive win contractually. So I would yeah. say kudos to the agents, the Derek Carr agency uh, for that one. Uh, you know, because like you said, so f- so few of the lay fans will dig in on the second look. And so it's like, okay, he got more money than Dak Prescott on an APY. Um, he got a no trade clause. And, uh, and so good, on, good on you guys. You know, I think you, you fulfilled the basic agent handoff, you know? So stepping back from the contract, I just want to discuss Derek Carr, the player for a little bit. And, I've been sort of, you know, tweaking and, and modifying my my overall Derek Carr take at this point. And I think we're both firmly in the pro Derek Carr camp. But I think there's a line of thinking that Derek Carr is Kirk Cousins. That he's, you know, because if you're going to rank the quarterbacks, he's probably somewhere in that range. I, I don't I, I don't have him ranked. I'm guessing like 12 to 18 is where both of those guys fall. Uh, I will say this about Derek Carr. I think Kirk Cousins is strictly a system guy. I don't think Derek Carr is. I think on top of that, you have Devonta Adams coming in now, and uh, this is this is where it's going to go a little bit off the rails. But please come with me, uh, Connor. I'm here. If you are looking around the league at the young quarterbacks right now, we're going to talk about this a ton over the next six months and probably the next I don't know sixty years or our lives. Uh, it, Yes, everyone wants a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, a, the guy with just the, the superhero traits who is also just, you know, incredibly efficient with the way they play. Uh, but Joe Burrow is not one of those guys. He does not have otherworldly arm strength. He is mobile, but he's not, you know, uh, he's, he's certainly not Lamar Jackson out there or anything. Uh, he is not a big-time traits guy. So 
you can still have a superstar quarterback without those kinds of traits. Uh, and frankly, you saw Joe Burrow take off in part because they brought in Jamar Chase. And all of a sudden, you have uh, a true, just game-changing number one receiver. Derek Carr has never had that. Amari Cooper was not that. Amari Cooper's a fine player. He's more of a high-end number two than a number one. Uh, Devontae Adams is a high-end number one. So now, if you're Derek Carr, and, and obviously a lot of things have to work out, but if you're Derek Carr, I think you have a chance to sort of punch through to that elite level. I'm not saying it's likely, but I'm saying it is absolutely possible in a way that it is not possible when you're talking about Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield or whoever else has sort of succeeded in those kinds of uh, uh, Shanahan-esque systems. Yeah, and I'll I'll further break down the um, I'll further break down the idea that Derek Carr is a system quarterback. Uh, when John Gruden is your coach, there's no system like John Gruden. And I'm not saying this because, you know, I notoriously bash him on every show. I'm just saying, like, th this is like, a re you know, you know, John Gruden, his whole deal is like, ah, I sit in my dark office and I watch film all day. But like what comes of that is and this is what I wrote yesterday when um, uh, when Derek Carr signed was, you know, a Raiders, a John Gruden offense is sort of like like I'm sitting right next to it. Right. My mom made me a quilt when I moved out and it was just like a all my like little league jerseys or whatever it's it's a tapestry yeah right oh that's pretty it's cool a thing yeah 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 um but it's 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 things sewn together and like but all the jerseys are different colors and so mm -hmm. they don't look like they belong together you know and nothing you know it it fits in the idea that like it all fits on a play sheet but it doesn't make sense together you know and so <laughs> I, Derek Carr is you know <clears throat> he was running this offense that was like. It, it was like if you took nine Madden playbooks and just smashed them together. And, like, you know, on some plays, John Gruden wanted him to be, you know, Tom Brady. And on some plays, he wanted him to be Patrick Mahomes. And I think, you know, we saw some development from him just maybe by virtue of pure survival this year, which I think was kind of cool. Like, I think he – I think Derek Carr has no doubt gotten better over the last year or two, um, significantly better. Um, but I think that the idea that, oh, he only functions well in a system, I'd say, show me the system, explain the system to me, because I don't think a lot of people, you know, if there was such clamoring for this system, John Gruden would be back in the NFL right now. You have an upgrade in the coaching. You have a huge upgrade in the receiving core. Even if you mm -hmm. don't like Josh McDaniels and say it's not an upgrade in the coaching, I disagree with you. But if, if you want to claim that, that's fine. Devontae Adams is a game changer for that offense. I really think it's going to be a big year for Derek Carr here. And, uh, and of course, he could have a big year, and they still might finish 7-10 uh, and 10 in that division. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, the, the final thing here, I think, is just, you know, I still think the contract is a good thing because if I were Derek Carr, I would be nervous, right? I think that any Patriots regime coming in, although it's weird, right? Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler have been a little bit different than say Matt Patricia or Bill O'Brien or any of these guys where they just come in and clean house. Like mm -hmm. they came in and they extended Max Crosby right away. Um, they extended Derek Carr. And at least I think they're trying to, they're trying to create at least the illusion, right? That we're not in here just to replace all of you guys with Rex Burkhead, you know? And, uh, uh, and, 
I, hopefully that's how it goes, you know? And so I, I don't know. I think if I'm Derek Carr, at least the offer feels good. The years freak me out, maybe a little bit, but like, I, I don't know. I, th- I think he sneaks two years out of this. I think he sneaks this year and next year out because I don't think next year's class is very good either, at least not right now. I think so too. Honestly, I think he makes it through all three and uh, we'll see where these quarterback contracts go. But, you know, the, the door that has been cracked open by the Sean Watson deal uh, you know, I, I mean, sheesh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't think any of those guys are coming loose. I think if you're the Raiders, you're going to realize you don't really have an opportunity to upgrade here unless you really bottom out and end up at the top of the draft. And the C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or whoever it might be uh, takes off as, as sort of a generational uh, or, or close to generational prospect. So that's where we're at. all just waiting for Arch Manning. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh man, Iopia has a, a different approach to comedy than his <laughs> than his family members. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds. You know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not, never the, gonna, not, the, not the Big East tournament? Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was – Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton? Is a is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of the. Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to like you know Lil Durk, and you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you? T- why are you <laughs> telling me the whole time? <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. All right, Connor, it's time for our next draft breakdown here, and we're going to talk about the defensive linemen. Uh, we're just going to kind of lump in the edge guys and also the uh, uh, some of the interior guys here and go through the top prospects in this class. And I feel like I have a real lack of scorching hot slash absolutely absurd takes on this position group, and I apologize in advance. Well, you have the best take, um, which is the one that you fed to me so that I could write a magazine story on it, which is that I do think that they're exceptionally valuable um, this year, right? I mean, there is a dearth of pass rushing talent at the NFL level. Uh, Randy Gregory got a $70 million deal. So this class is being examined probably unlike any other. And uh, you and I have a story coming out about it. So that should be that's that's fun. Should be fun for people to read. Yep. It's that. uh, And it's the fact that nobody's going to blitz anymore ever again. Mm -hmm. No one will ever blitz Patrick Mahomes ever again in this league. And uh, if you're not going to blitz, you need guys who can get home in the pass rush here. And 
again, we're, we're going to say this a lot over the next couple of weeks as we approach draft day, but there are no Miles Garretts or anyone like that in this draft that is just sort of surefire, like, oh, yeah, this is this is a number one overall pick. But there is good depth at this position. Uh, you know, there, there are guys you will find into day two who can immediately step in and help, theoretically. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it varies from player to player. But uh, I'll just throw out once again, uh, because I think this is the most <laughs> optimistic thing you can say about this draft class. There are guys, I mean, look, Aaron Donald was considered a flawed prospect. He goes uh, outside the top 10. TJ Watt goes uh, late in the first round. JJ Watt goes outside the top 10. I'm not saying that there is a Hall of Fame generational talent here, but we do kind of uh, tend to write guys off before the draft, before they play in the game. And, you know, maybe someone, maybe somebody emerges here in this class. But uh, let's start things off with. At least at this moment, the presumptive favorite for the number one overall pick, that is Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan, uh, gets a lot of T.J. Watt comparisons, I think partially because of skin color, but also because of effort. And uh, he is a high motor guy, but I think that does overlook the fact that he's also, I mean, he's a, he's, he's a freak athlete. I mean, he's incredibly athletic uh, and he was incredibly productive last year after losing 2020 to an injury. So uh, something of a small sample size, I'm always a little bit worried about guys coming out of the big 10 because there's only one program who really regularly draws uh, elite talent to their program. That's Ohio state. And you only play them once a year, but uh I'm fine with Hutchinson going one. Uh, he's top half of the first round in any draft. And uh, if you like him, go ahead. Go for it. Yeah. Just for fun, I, I like to watch um, I like to watch him play against like Rutgers just to, you know, because it's just like it's like watching a gigantic teenager play like youth football and just like he was he looked like Tarzan in that game. He was just like leaping off of trees to like tackle quarterbacks from areas of the field that you didn't even think a, a defensive player had access to the quarterback. It was phenomenal. Um, he's, he's wildly athletic. Um, you know, I think you can move him around. You can play him in a lot of different places. Boy, I don't know if that's, if I'm Jacksonville, let, let's frame it this way, right? Um, uh, we can, we can talk all day about his athleticism, you know, but if you're Jacksonville, is that what you want? at number one like do you do you view that as the right thing to do at the number one overall pick you take a pass rusher i mean i'm sure they want to get out of that spot i just don't think they can (laughs) i don't think anyone wants the number one pick yeah but do you want um do you want a pass rusher in that or would you take like evan neal would you Mm -hmm. take um would you take an offensive lineman you know what i mean I would take the offensive lineman just because, first and foremost, I want to build that offense, and uh, there there's no other option. And obviously, you know, it, it depends on how they grade these guys. Do they like Evan Neal? Do they like uh, Icky? I I don't know. Uh, do they like Hutchinson? Do they like Trevon Walker, who we're gonna get to in a moment? But uh, I would build that offense to something elite around the elite quarterback that you have there and then just sort of figure out how to patch together a defense that can basically hold on kind of kind of the kind of the chiefs formula at that point yeah um my Aiden Hutchinson take would be 
watch the Georgia game, you know, and and then you're like, eh, you know, yeah. which is scary, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that kind of freaks me out a little bit because, you know, Georgia's not even Alabama in terms of offensive line talent. And, you know, he was kind of wrecking, like we said, Rutgers and a lot of these other guys. And, you know, when you put him up against um, – you know, a real elite program. And there's just a different class of athlete there. He looks less like that Braveheart-esque. I'm saying Braveheart because of the face paint, probably, right? <laughs> I, Is that why I we're think, calling him? The, I think you know? so. That's that's a very outdated reference, Connor. But isn't, isn't that what he does? He puts the eye black down. Like, yeah, he's one, got like the super uh, <clears throat> Is that Braveheart? design. I mean, Is that he, Braveheart? Wore, he wore face paint in Braveheart. Yeah, but like that. Sure. No, I, I think okay. you could. I think you could say that. I don't. I don't have a better con. It's. It's like uh, you say, brave cart. Bra- brave cart. <laughs> oh, it's like that. It's like that other movie, Brave Cart. It's that's <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's my parody about. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know something about shopping carts. Uh, Braveheart. You could say it's like Kiss. Uh, you know, a little. Oh, little, okay. Uh, yeah, a little, little Ace Freely going on there. I don't know. Pete Peter Chris. Mm-hmm. Where's is he the cat? Peter Chris is the, is the cat, I believe. Yeah, I'm not a huge Kiss fan, but I, I, yeah, I think he's the cat. If I were, if I were ever Aiden Hutchinson's size, right? Uh, I think that's <laughs> that's the move, right? Like you, you know, you're going to be just like the most dominant player in college football, and then you put on like the little the kitten nose and like the little, little whiskers. whiskers, and uh, <laughs> and you do that with your. Uh, you know, because in a lot of ways, like it probably starts out as not scary, but then if you dominate a few games, it's probably scarier than anything else, right? Like it's like, oh my god, this guy is, you know, this guy is wild. Some kind of like ritualistic serial killer type of uh, thing going on there. <laughs> the cat face guy. Yeah, but um, so yeah, Aiden Hutchinson, incredibly athletic. I thought a little underwhelming um, in the Capital One Orange Bowl. Um, I was less than uh, less than impressed. They were able to kind of just block around him, and and now, granted, that's you know also an just an generally an SEC offense, right? Against a, a Big Ten um, offense, that's how it's gonna go. But um, I don't know. I think I would have liked to seen a little like a little bit more of a breakthrough transcendent performance if that makes some sense yeah no it it absolutely does and obviously the expectations are so high for that matchup and it is unfair to sort of go into a game and be like yeah your team is completely overmatched so i hope that you know defensive end takes over and single-handedly wins the game Uh, but you're right it 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 wasn't great tape if i'm going to be uh you know sort of do my faux uh scout thing i think one thing that does worry you a little bit is the lack of length uh he is six six but he's short-armed that does come into play when you're talking about uh keeping offensive linemen out of your chest shedding blocks uh and he seems a little bit like a guy who needs something of a head of steam and to really knock guys back on their heels which is possible but that's also that's another of those things where it's kind of like brute strength and power you know that speed to power type of thing that you can knock that uh what other big 10 program do you want to make fun of you can knock that uh uh maryland well, the, uh all the uh <laughs> the the, the, the fools at northwestern northwestern who, that who, 
that was yeah that was I guess that was too on the nose but yeah you you can knock that northwestern tackle back on his heels but can you do that to you know whatever uh whoever plays left tackle for the Colts next year <laughs> although we're saying that the year after northwestern had their first first round Slater right yeah Wasn't that the, yeah but not him everybody else yes exactly <laughs> yeah it's it's funny though the like the lack of length so Georgia has that um the right tackle is Warren McClendon, I think. Uh, he's, re- I think he's coming back. Um, and there was a couple of plays because they were moving Hutchinson around in that game, and McClendon got like kind of the legal hold, right? You know, where you kind of got your hands on the outside of his shoulder pads, and it was almost like you were like, "Where, where is Aiden? Like, I can't even see him in the, you know, in in the grapple, you know." And, and so it was, you know, he he got swallowed up sometimes in that game, you know, and 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 again. It's so much easier for us to sit here and say that when that's all that George's offensive line had to prepare for. That said, um, he was in, he was singled up sometimes, you know, a, a decent, like it wasn't like he was doubled the whole game either, you know? I mean, he, uh, they, they chipped him a little bit, you know, with like receivers, you know, they would do the tight slot thing and mm-hmm. chip him a little bit. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I thought they kind of handled him, you know? And if I was a scout, I'd be, you know, if I'm tossing up between Evan Neal and Hutchinson is at the top pick, um, I don't know. I might take Evan Neal. And I was the guy who said uh, Penny Sewell over Jamar Chase. So take what I say is, uh, <laughs> with a grain of salt. I mean, I'll let you live that down, but you seem to not be able to forgive yourself for that one. Where were you? Where did you lie on that one, by the way, last so- year? I fell on Jamar Chase because I thought part of the Bengals' motivation was getting ahead of making Joe Burrow upset, and part of that Mm. is pleasing him by getting his buddy in there who he wanted very badly, clearly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And look, in the alternate universe where they took Sewell, I I think they're perfectly happy with that. Like, I don't think the Lions are are bummed out that they have Panay Sewell. He had a good rookie year. Yeah, I think he did too. But the Bengals wouldn't have been in the Super Bowl. There's no way if they took Penny Sewell. Very, uh, very unlikely. Not impossible, yeah. but very unlikely. Okay, let's go on to Trevon Walker, who's kind of the draft season riser here in a way. He's the Georgia defensive lineman. Uh, was kind of the, you know, not that the combine matters that much, but he was kind of the star of the combine with his workout, and that sort of solidified him as, you know, I think he's a surefire top 10 guy at this point, and it sounds like he is in the running for that top pick. Uh, it's kind of all about potential for him at this point. Uh, you know, obviously all, he checks the boxes on all the measurables uh, in a way that the other top defensive line prospects don't. Uh he was really against the run. He wasn't overly productive as a pass rusher. And I think the question is kind of, okay, can you, can you make him into a pass rusher here? I think he's a guy who does a lot of stuff. Well, though, and he has, you know, I I think he has really good multi-directional athleticism for a guy who's 270 something pounds. And we will see basically, you know, do the Jaguars kind of say, okay, we're going edge rusher, but we're going with a really high ceiling guy. And we're going to see if we can can work this out with him. You could see the maybe the wheels turning uh, in Trent Balky's head there. Certainly, I mean, he was a big 
Alden Smith guy at a time when not a lot of people were Alden Smith guys mm-hmm. in the draft and and maybe and I'm not comping them as a player but I think athleticism is very high he's he's more of a traits guy um uh, as a GM and so I think you could see it going in that direction I mean you pair him with Josh Allen on that front and there's probably a lot of things that you can do um to an opposing offense but I I don't think that you can make that this kid the number one overall pick in the draft i just i think that would be just uh way too big of a risk um but again maybe he's like you said i mean he he's athletic i mean he can cover you know there's like there's a lot of things that he can do um but i think it's a difficult proposition because you make him the number one pick and he might have a phenomenal season but only have like three sacks and yeah. then everyone you know your entire fan base is just like oh you know your entire fan base who just can't access pff for some reason it's just gonna be like this guy's the worst <laughs> and uh and then you're just gonna have to live with that but i don't know i mean I go back and forth, right? You know, the production isn't necessarily there, but there are some coverage plays where you're like, wow. Um, especially if you're going to try to do some of the Belichick, like, drop eight stuff. Yep. You could you could put him back in coverage, and he could clog a passing lane fairly easily. Um, heads up against Evan Neal. Was he awesome? No. Um, so that's kind of the, the – those are sort of both sides of the coin that you're weighing there. Yeah, it's a like you said. I don't know if he's ever a ten sack guy in the NFL. He could be. I mean, you know, we got a ways to go here, but I think he's the kind of guy who's going to end up being more valuable than the than the box score stat line ends up suggesting at that point. And yeah, can you can you live with that? Can you live with taking that guy number one overall? <laughs> I, and and right, yep. Because we saw this with um, oh gosh. Um, What's the uh, different position? But what was the kid out of Clemson two years ago that the Cardinals took in the first round, the linebacker? Oh, um, Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons, right? Where so much of this is about the outer reaches of the imagination of the coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. And granted, if you're a coordinator, right? I mean, to save your job, you have to put him in, especially if you draft him number one, you have to put him in the best position to succeed and you have to change your defense around to make him look good but you're taking a big gamble there because it's not like like Hutchinson I feel like is a more natural rusher and so you're gonna get kind of the open and closed pass rusher things from him um Walker I think probably um you know requires a little bit more of an imagination and are you gambling on a football coach's imagination yeah no, that's a great point. Uh, and if we are stacking up these two against each other, I do think Hutchinson has the edge. I do think, I think you need guys who can finish plays uh, as a pass rusher at this point. I think that's mm-hmm. the number one thing you need uh, out of your top defenders. So I think Hutchinson fits that mold better at this point in his career than than Walker does. But uh, boy, that would be. It, I'd appreciate the confidence. If the Jaguars did indeed take Walker first overall and Fonte Mac esque decision right there yeah. by the uh... And just said we yeah, we can we'll get it done. We'll figure it out with him. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your life sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So, Kayvon Thibodeau, if you went back about six to eight months, he was on the top of a lot of draft boards. Uh, did not have a dominant final season at Oregon, but he was also playing through an ankle injury. Uh, you know, there are some... Uh, Kind of some whispers, okay, you know, does he play hard? Does he love it? All those sort of scouty type things that get thrown out there. But, you know, the guy did play through an ankle injury. Uh, I think there's something to be said for that. Quite frankly, if I was a top draft prospect and I was going back for a team that was not in national title contention, I would probably, I don't know, I'd probably play like four games and then, uh, you know, just take it easy the rest of the time. But uh, he was out there. He flashed his dominance. And, uh, you know, he is a guy that I think purely from a talent standpoint, uh, maybe a little bit stiffness, a little bit of stiffness running the arc there, uh, not as bendable as as you might like, but certainly long, explosive, and, and all those good things that you want out of your edge guy. And I think you can teach. I think bendability is something that you can teach. I, that's that's not. I, I don't know if it's necessarily a learned trait, but I think that you can acquire that over time. Um, and I think we should put to bed um, the scouting tropey. Uh, does he love it? Thing. I, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be a high level college football player if you didn't love football. Like there's just so many other things that you could do as a you know large gregarious athletic human being than play football if you didn't love getting you know, uh, coming to practice every day. And I think that, I think one of the most valuable things that we could ever do is like secretly tape record a conversation that we would have with the scout at like the combine and broadcast it and be like, these are the people who are judging other people's personalities, (laughs) you know? And, And not in a mean way. I'm just saying like, there are some scouts who just grow up in a certain part of the country and who hang out with like, who, who are taught by, certain people and just have this very straightforward worldview and then they see someone who is completely different than them and every like we heard this stuff about miles garrett coming out remember i mean Mm -hmm. they said oh miles garrett writes poetry is he gonna is he gonna play football yeah and he's (laughs) he's gonna be the best defensive end in the nfl and so i don't know i i think that stuff's a little bit silly to me i'd be i'd be more concerned with you know I, i i think it's tough, right? In the Pac-12, is it still called the Pac-12? Yes. Yeah, the Pac-12. Um, he was doubled a lot, right? Um, I think he held his own. Uh, but there were those games where a lot of his mashing came against like a, like a second tight end, right? In in the Pac-12. And so, how do you how do you measure that against? Um, you know, some of the some of the games where it's like, OK, you know, he was really in the weeds against like maybe two B minus uh, tackles from like the University of Washington or something like that, you know. 
George Carl Aftis out of Purdue. Uh, really a fascinating guy. Probably a little bit more of a face-up pass rusher at this point, but uh, uh, just a just a pure power guy. I don't know if you know he he, he didn't test terribly well. I you know he's he's not going to uh, have one of those spider graphs that you know the whole thing is filled in or whatever. But uh, I mean, gosh, just just power and production. I would think would uh, uh, be awfully appealing with him. Yeah, it's almost like a bit like a bigger, um, like a stronger Carl Nassib, right? Where like you're trying to figure out um, exactly how he did it, and but it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of um, it's a lot of bull rushing. It's a lot of just like pure, you know, those determination sacks, you know. And so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I I, I think he's going to go in the first round, um, but you hope that the power translates. Um, I got a chance to see him uh, work out a little bit uh, for the magazine story that we were doing. And uh, I do know that, you know, it seemed like bend and, um, you know, sort of the agile trait stuff was a big focus of the pre-draft pre pro day training Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for him. And so, you know, I, I would say this for anyone who says that that stuff can't, be learned in a short period of time with a private coach i would say look at aaron donald i mean not to say he was made by a private coach but he learned like his cross chop move right he learned that during the pre-draft process um and that's what helped so one of the things that helped him become one of the most dominant players in the nfl like he learned pass rush moves in between college and when he got to the nfl and so i think Karloftis, there's a chance that he arrives in the NFL as a better player than he left college football. And he was a pretty good player when he left college football. Jermaine Johnson, who has one of my favorite draft backstories, and this doesn't sound that interesting. He just, he transferred a lot of guys transfer, but he was at Georgia and they had him in that heavy rotation in that defensive line. And he was kind of like, you know, I think I just want to go somewhere else uh, and play full time. And, uh, left basically the best team in the nation, goes to Florida State, gets to play full-time, and just, uh, I mean, his his production was off the charts last year, 12 sacks, 18 tackles for loss uh, as a full-time player here. So he got to show off exactly what he wanted to show off, which was that he can be absolutely dominant as a full-time player, and he can put up these monster numbers. Uh, I don't know if there's anything you would look at with him and, and say, like, boy, this is... This is absolutely elite and special, but uh, you know he's he has requisite length. He is uh, a really agile mover, and he's just there's like a frantic playing style yeah. to uh, to what he does, and and uh, uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. I don't know if he's a superstar, but I think he's a really really good player in the league for a long time. Can I do, can I give a really weird comp to, yeah. to, to Jermaine Johnson? Definitely. Okay. So uh uh and and it, it's Derrick Henry. Like if you made Derrick Henry a defensive end, it would be Jermaine Johnson <laughs> because if you watch his first move, um a lot of the times his instinct is to throw throw that arm out and to try to like and it's almost like a it's like a big hard like shoulder punch maybe and, and maybe it's to mm-hmm. get the tackle kind of off off his square so he's not base or whatever he doesn't have his base or whatever it is but like it's so effective and it's cra- and i i wonder if nfl tackles will be able to kind of see that coming and sort of plan for that but it's like this 
big, you know, kind of heavy hand, this big hit. And uh, it almost reminds me of the way like Derrick Henry will hit like a, a, a defender kind of coming at him and trying to tackle him. But uh, really interesting guy. Um, <clears throat> I think that there's probably an argument there to be made that you could like him more than than maybe a Thibodeau or um, a Karloftis. And, you know, you could certainly see him landing in the top 10 maybe if if, if some team is, is kind of into that particular brand of football. Moving back inside, Jordan Davis out of Georgia, who just uh, – uh, again, it, you don't get that worked up about the combine stuff, but I mean, he had a just eye popping performance at the combine at uh, 340 pounds. He runs the four seven eight forty, and you know he's not going to run 40 yards very often, but it's still very impressive to move that fast for a 340 pound guy. The question with him is going to be, uh, well, two things here. Can he play 40 snaps a game? Uh, he, you know, he was a rotational player at Georgia. He came off the field a lot, and uh, that is, you know, kind of the same conversation we were having about Vita Vea a couple years ago. And obviously, he has worked out wonderfully. And then the other question is, you know, what kind of value do you put on a guy whose primary uh, contributions are going to come on early downs? Uh, I like those guys just because I think when you plug a Jordan Davis or a Vita Vea into your uh, into your defensive line, not only do they obviously make it very difficult to run on you, uh, but it kind of frees up the guys around them, uh, not just the linebackers, but also your, your edge guys who maybe can get upfield uh, with a little less hesitation because they know that uh, there's a certain – there's a certain – margin for error because you have a guy next to you who can basically make you right whatever uh whatever you end up doing yeah like if i if i were the cardinals like i know it's not gonna he's probably not gonna fall to them but like that's the kind of guy who could fix my linebacker issues right you know you have two first round picks at linebacker over the last two years that have done nothing for you and you know pressure starting to mount well i guess the pressure is not starting to mount because Steve Kime just signed like a 10 year contract extension, but like <laughs> he's there forever you know, now. It's at some point you would like to make those acquisitions look good. And I think that he's one of those guys that can do it. I, I I'm with you. Like it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to say like, Oh, well this isn't going to happen. That's not going to happen because if you, um, if you have that counter punch to the running game, even if he only plays 30 snaps, if he's preventing them from doing half of what they need to do to win a game, it doesn't matter how many snaps he's playing because he matches physicality. Um, he, he makes you afraid, um, to do certain things. And I think he would be an absolute outside zone wrecker. Like I, I really do because the, the, the antidote to that is is interior pressure guys that can get upfield and can chase like that. And, you know, you can watch him in the SEC running down backs from behind and, and throwing them down. He's uh, he's beastly. Uh, let's go to Minnesota's Boye Mafe, who I think is kind of on the fringe of that first, second round. I just, I don't know. I, I will be heartbroken if the Cowboys don't just take him. I think he's exactly what a team wants. If you just lost Randy Gregory, you bring in a guy who's, you know, kind of 
kind of raw, kind of not a finished product, but uh, has everything you'd look for trait-wise in a disruptive uh, you know, pass rusher here. And I think you just go ahead. You already have Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. You want that third guy. And uh, this is your guy. Take a risk. Take him, Cowboys. Yeah, I think it's something that you could probably do if you have Dan Quinn, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and Dan Quinn's already shown with Micah Parsons, like, yeah, I'm going to be able to, I have the imagination. I'm going to break out of Seattle cover three and we're going to do some some cool stuff. And I do think that they're one pass rusher away. Um, uh, for, you know, and, and I don't think Randy Gregory was the guy, which is why they let him go. But I think they're one pass rusher away from just like, just kicking the you know what out of everyone in the nfc east like yeah. you know I, I really do i mean that that division is still so soft and i the giants got better this off season um by virtue of coaching staff but dave gettleman left that roster in such tatters that you're not going to be able to improve like that i mean he's the kind of guy that can push you over the edge um but yeah there's a ton to like about him super athletic you can move him around you can put him in a lot of different spots and uh you know you know, like I said, it's it's all about defending. You know, you like him against. You know, we're we're drafting him to the Cowboys right now, but like you know, you <laughs> like him. You like him against zone read. You know, you, I think that he could handle like a Jalen Hurts or something like that. You know, uh, and I, I just think he fits very well in the modern modern game. It's a foregone conclusion. Boy, Mafe to the Cowboys. Let's do it. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, another Georgia guy here. Uh, he's a pure three technique. He's an upfield guy. Uh, I'll, I'll ask this because obviously you like the production. You like what you saw on the tape. Uh, do you worry at all that he is a product of basically playing on an NFL defensive line in college football? Right. So there's two ways to look at this. Do you remember it was like three or four years ago? It was that it was that Clemson defensive line, right? Mm-hmm. Where it was like Cleveland Farrell and who the, who else did they have? Um, uh, Christian Wilkins, right? Yep. Uh, Dexter, Dexter Lawrence. Lawrence. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, jury's out um, certainly on on how that went. But um, I was talking to. Uh, Duke Tobin before the Super Bowl about Trey Hendrickson and I was like how did you isolate um because there was a couple advanced metrics that had said like he was the most supporting cast dependent sack producer of the NFL the year before the um the Bengals signed him in free agency and then it turns out he's just an otherworldly ISO player and uh, you know just did these tremendous things and you know he said it's it, there, there really does take a, a large effort on part of the scouts to isolate him against other guys who are, are are high quality players, and so I think that there was, you know, certainly a, um, uh, you know, certainly a big push for that. Like Wyatt, for example, you know, he's going to just like sidestep and, um, you know, rip through a guard who's just standing there trying to pass in pass protection, but. Is that because, you know, you have to double, uh, to, you know, two other guys, you know, and so I think it's um, and and you have Kirby Smart, who's the best defensive coordinator in the, in the NFL it's, or in college football. So it's an interesting question. Um, and I think that some teams are probably going to be better at pulling him um, out of the context of his defensive line than other teams. It's unfair that we only said that about him. 
He's like the, it, the the eighth Georgia guy we've talked about on this show. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Rude um, of us. Maybe they all make each other better. <laughs> when you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, Discover must-see shows and hit movies. And get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Let's go to uh, Penn State's Arnold Ebukati, uh, kind of a fascinating guy. Not a not a whole lot of buzz until kind of draft season rolled around here. Uh, I would absolutely defer to other people who know. Uh, I don't know how to assess these prospects better than I do. Mel Kuyper is one of them, and I saw Mel Kuyper is like, he is totally on the bandwagon here. Uh, he thinks this guy is a surefire first round pick. I don't see it. I see a really high-effort guy, uh, more of a, a face-up rusher. I don't think he's he's uh, bending the edge against anyone. Uh, I like that he you know goes so hard. He's got some twitch. He's got you know he's he's gonna be really hard to sort of uh, lock onto. But to me, he's just sort of a smaller guy. I I don't I don't know. I'm I'm just not quite seeing it. I think he's a fine uh, kind of rotational edge rusher when it's all said and done, but uh, I have a tough time going round one with him. I uh, you got to trust Mel Kiper, man. Mel, Mel yeah. Kiper, Mel, Mel Kiper gets gets bashed, um, but like I think his top 100, like some mock drafters will be like, look at look at how good my mock draft is. Um, but you look at Mel's top 100. And I think that's where a lot of your bread is buttered as like a true draft analyst expert. And and that guy is like otherworldly. He's yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, AK, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, the size doesn't jump out for me, but I think that there's a lot of things that you could do with him, right? I mean, like Penn State had him on to block kicks. They had him on to, uh, um, they had him on to do a bunch of stuff. And so, um, you know, he, he could just be one of those uh piece of the puzzle guys that just flies around and does a bunch of interesting stuff on your defense. But again, you know, you'd have to have the right coordinator. You'd have to have the right system. And I think the league, very generally speaking, is moving away from some of the things that he does the best, at least temporarily. Okay. I will, uh, and like I said, I will absolutely defer to, to Mel Kiper. Uh, if you're going to go with someone's take, Take him over me. Can I tell you a good Mel Kuyper story? Yeah, always. Okay, so I was doing a, um, I was doing a story on Paul Zimmerman, uh, our 
great mock drafter, uh, the late great Paul Zimmerman, mm-hmm. uh, about what was arguably the greatest mock draft of all time. He got like the first 12 picks right or something totally crazy like that. <laughs> and uh, and even like the tra- there was like two trades that he nailed in the top 12. And so I interviewed Mel Kuyper about it. And you go through Mel Kuyper's people, and so whatever they say, Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated is going to call you, blah, blah, blah. And so throughout the entire interview, Mel is going, yeah, absolutely, Ryan. And he's like, and let me tell you something else, Ryan, about this. And, you know, Ryan, 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 Ryan. And so I was like, whatever, I don't care. Um, and uh, and he was great. He was He was awesome. He was so deferential and, you know, spoke really highly of Paul, who we all, uh, I think, love and appreciate his work and his commitment to football journalism. And so he hangs up the phone and I was like, okay, cool. So I just go back to transcribing and writing. I get a call back from uh, a Maryland number, which is where he's from, like, 10 minutes later, and he just goes, and this is the height of draft season. So Mel Kuyper, every second of his day is budgeted from, you know, the end of the Super Bowl through the draft. Like, Mm -hmm. this guy is spoken for. And he calls me back 10 minutes later, and he goes, oh, my God, I was calling you Ryan that entire time on the phone. He's like, your name is Connor. He's like, I'm so sorry about that. And I was like, you don't have to apologize. (laughs) Like, it was amazing, you know? And uh, I don't that was like the coolest thing. I think like one of the most like human things, uh, because I think that once you reach a certain level in this business, you become sort of subhuman, but that is not mm-hmm. the case for Mel Kuyper. I think he's, he's one of, one of the truly good people in this uh, business. Absolutely. And uh, like you said, if you are talking to Mel Kuyper in the month of April, uh, he'll call you whatever you want and you just accept <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, yeah. that's, that's totally understandable. Yeah. All right, last guy we're talking about here, that is David Ojabo from Michigan. Uh, obviously, had the ruptured Achilles at his pro day, and that's probably going to knock him out of round one here. Uh, I'll just say this as someone who, uh, again, not not terribly good at this, but uh, any edge rusher who has a really good spin move, I automatically think should go first overall. I think you should trade multiple first-round picks to come up to number one to get an edge rusher with a great spin move because it just looks cool. And I think, you, you know, that that's what you have to build around. Do you want to hear an interesting story about uh, uh, NFL pass rushing spin moves? Yeah, I do. Okay, so um, you and I worked on that uh, quarterback story a few uh, months ago yep. where we were talking about how <clears throat> quarterbacks were learning sort of weird outlier things from other quarterbacks and incorporating them into their uh, repertoire, like, you know, the way that Aaron Rodgers pops his foot up or the way that Lamar Jackson throws sidearm and mm-hmm. they're practicing these mm-hmm. things now, making them better. A couple of years ago, the spin move was one of those things. And so um, one of the guys that I talked to for this other this pass rushing story that you and I worked on together was uh, Dr. Pass Rush. Uh, actually has a doctorate in pass rushing. Um, and he's been a private pass rushing coach for a long time. And he um, he said, like, NFL coaches would call him and be like, stop teaching this shit. Like, stop sending my guys back to... Um, stop sending my guys back to camp with this ridiculous spin move. Like, it's not effective. We're not going to teach that. We don't want them to do it. And it's totally different now, right? Like, er- you know... Everybody wants the spin move. Um, it's effective. If you can pull it off, if you have the body balance and the vision to pull it off, um, it's 
it's great. Um, but I love Ajabo. He's got uh, he's got a great bend. Um, you know, he's going to get under the arms of those uh, kind of those longer tackles, and he's going to be able to just sort of like grind his way to the quarterback. Um, and it's unfortunate what happened uh, uh, to him. And I I would I would encourage all prospects to just skip this dog and pony show after you've put uh, quality years on tape. But uh, um, yeah, I, I would say it's going to take the right GM. Right. Because if he's not going to be ready or he's going to be ready later in the season or ramped up a little bit later in the season, um, you you have to have an entrenched GM that's probably not as worried about job security. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it's going to it's going to take the right team, I think, for uh, for him. I think after Cam Akers made it back from a ruptured Achilles in like 48 hours. That that's just, true, too. That yeah. just changes everything. Yeah. The MMQB NFL Podcast. It's Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Super Bowl champion Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum Card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 
smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.